welcome to the AOL podcast. Let's dive right into this week's message. Lord, only you can we say this about. Only you. You make a way. You always make a way. Thank you for chasing after us when we're distracted by other things. Thank you for making a way. Thank you for becoming the high priest for us. That no matter where we are, no matter how much guilt and shame and condemnation is on us, we can come boldly into the presence of God without restraint. And so, Lord, I just pray that tonight, Lord, being in your presence may it fill us full of joy. God, whatever heaviness that we've had walking in these doors, I pray, God, tonight that we'd leave here free. We'd come in one way and leave another. Meet with us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, why don't you look at your neighbor and say, you can come sit next to me. (laughs) All right. Man, how many of y'all already blessed to be here on a Wednesday night? Amen. Good job, worship team. I was blessed by that. Awesome, awesome. I love that song. I love those last two. I loved them all tonight. In fact, Yinli, you were, she's already gone over to grip, but you were led by the Lord on that last song because this is where we're going tonight. If you have your Bibles, open them to Hebrews chapter 10. I know you've heard Hebrews chapter 11 preached. In fact, one of my Favorite messages Pastor Robert ever preached was on Hebrews chapter 12. And he, uh, he gave us an assignment that you need to learn this. So I went home that week and I learned it, Pastor Robert. I just want to let you know I did because you told me to, so I did. But uh, uh, we all know what Hebrews chapter 11 is. is faith. It's the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. We know that verse 6 says, uh, for without faith it's impossible to please God. How many of y'all know faith is a big deal? I'm going to say it again. Faith without works is dead, right? Uh, faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. Faith is a big deal. Can I get an amen tonight? It's a big deal. And then we go to verse 12. He says, therefore, since you're surrounded by these such great cloud of witnesses, um, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, and especially sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And... Um, and then, he's, then he talks about Jesus there. But in chapter 10, it's Christ's sacrifice once and for all. And uh, this is genius text. In fact, I, last night I was in the car um, waiting for Anson to get out of soccer. And I'm like, Lord, what would you have me to, to share tonight? And I was taking the, Hebrew, the book of Hebrews. Almost went out of Hebrews chapter 4. But I really believe we need to be out of Hebrews chapter 10. Because I believe there's something in here. That the Lord is going to show you. And those of you that, that were online with us. I did it for several years early in the morning. We went through the book of Hebrews or some part of it. And you probably heard some of this might be uh, something that you've heard before. But I believe tonight if you press in, God's going to show you something new. How many of you know your response is important? I'm going to say it one more time. How many of you know your response is important? And I'm not talking about me being the pastor and you going, amen, preach white boy, or whatever it is. I'm not, although that's an important response to me. My wife shares with me that my response needs to get a little bit better. But 
and, and I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, you wives out there, if you were talking to your husband after he got off an important phone call or, after, or if he's looking at his phone, he is not listening to you. Doesn't, does not necessarily mean that he doesn't want to listen to you. But, hey, I'm going to go over here. But you're never listening. <laughs> I don't need any clap from the women tonight, all right? But she tells me your response needs to get better because sometimes I go, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. Mm. How many of y'all ever had those, mm, all right? I should be getting more amens from all the women tonight, like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Because sometimes that uh-huh sounds like uh-uh, and that uh-uh sounds like uh-huh. Bo, you know you do it too. And so uh, we, we, I mess up sometimes and, and don't always give a response. Especially when she said, hey, I'm going to cook this tonight. Is that okay with you? And it might not be okay with me, but my response was poor enough that I got what she was cooking anyway. And so, and, and you know, coming, huh? She bothered to ask me, exactly. But uh, uh, coming up on Christmas time, how many of y'all know, how many of y'all have ever had them conversations with your kids? Maybe you have grandkids now, but at one time you had a conversation with your kids before we go into Gigi and Papa's house, I know it's Christmas Eve, and your response to the first gift needs to be just as exciting as the big gift that you get as well. Now, my kids don't do this. I've just heard stories about your kids. My kids are perfect. But how I many I know? I, 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 listen, I've been in those situations before, whether it be a birthday party or something like that. Where whether it be your friends or from grandma and grandpa or from us, don't be just saying this, all right, what's next? How many of y'all know we live in a spoiled generation? Or or never say that's it. How many I'm just getting at how many of y'all know a response is so important? All right, I'm preaching to myself tonight, okay? A response is so important. And and when you look at the book of Hebrews chapter 10, we're gonna go through it because it's Wednesday night and I just Love the Word of God. How I many y'all know it's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the Word of God. And we're gonna—I'm gonna go through the text. I wasn't going to, but I decided to. Of all of this, but really, there's a response here to people of faith that He gives us, starting in verse 22. He said, "Let us go." Now I'm going out of the New Living Translation tonight, but all of it is good. But I just there's some things in here that I really like. Verse 22, this is our response. So let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him, for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. That's why I'm thankful we sing that song tonight. You love me when I'm lost, you love me when I'm found. Till I'm found or whatever. JC, this is my message. But aren't you think, I, I mean, just like that, consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's bloods to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. I mean, y'all know it's not only important that we're in love with the promise I mean, how I many y'all know it's important that we don't, we don't just love the promise. We, we are in love with the promise giver. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. 
And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Over the next few minutes, I want to talk to you about this, the response that you and I as believers need to have. Because if you know anything about the text here in Hebrews chapter 10, especially in the first 17 scriptures, and I wasn't going to go over all of them, but I thought it would be good for us to just have a reminder tonight to read this. So if you would, if you go ahead and put that on the screen, starting at verse 1, it says, The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come, not the things themselves. Now, I'm going to read this slow because I want you to take it all in. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped. For the worshipers would have been purified once for all time, and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But look at this. But instead... Those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. See, what is he talking about here? If you've ever studied the Old Testament, you know exactly what he's talking about. I just wrote some teaching moments down. I'm thinking about what the writer of Hebrews, and we don't know who that is, which I think it's Paul, because what he's talking about right here, and we studied this in the life of Paul the Bible says he was a Jew of Jews, right? What he's talking about is if you grew up uh, in this Jewish culture, you know exactly what he's talking about. And so I wrote some things down. Think about it like this. You make your way to the tabernacle, bringing your little lamb with you. Watching the blood flow as it, as it is offered as a sacrifice, you're reminded once again that your sacrifice you're reminded once again that you're still a sinner. Still a sinner, year after year, day after day. But when Jesus came on the scene, what did he say? He said, do this in remembrance of me. In other words, he didn't say, remember your sin. He said, remember your Savior. How many of y'all know John the Baptist said, what did he say? Behold thee. Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. How many of y'all know that still rings true today that we need to remember the Savior? But, we, but what we do after reading this to verse 4, but instead those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sin year after year. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. We have a tendency to keep returning to my own little sacrificial system. And I ask myself, how long did I pray today? How many chapters have I read this year? How many books have I read this year? But due to our inability to keep our own rules, rituals, and regulations, our promises and pledges only continually remind us that we're still failures. And this is why Jesus said, I don't want you to remember your sin by continual sacrifice. I want you to remember your salvation by continual celebration. Because the price has already been paid. Let's say that again. Come on, Wednesday night. Y'all help me out. I know there's only a frozen chosen of you, but I believe we can have church tonight. How many of y'all know the price has been paid? How many of y'all know the blood has been shed? How many of y'all know the work is already done? Yes. 
For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. But it is possible for the blood of the Lamb of God. So now we get to verse 5. He said, that is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you, you have given me a body to offer. You were not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. Then I said, look, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written about me in the scriptures. First, Christ said, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them, though they are required by the law of Moses. So, if the Father has no pleasure in sacrifices, why did he establish the system in the first place? I want you to think about it like this. I got out some old notes from, from uh, my Bible school days. Uh, because simply put, bulls, rams, goats, and lambs, all that he's talking about right here, and we know from the Old Testament, were nothing but a promise, uh, promissory note. See, the $20 bill that Don has in his pocket, and I have one in mine, how many of y'all know it would be a worthless piece of paper if, not for the, if it didn't have the seal of Washington, D.C. on it and the weight that that brings to it, bringing a guarantee that it's really worth $20? But I want you to think about it like this. What if you open your great-grandmother's uh, trunk or maybe something in their house and you found a stack of $1,000 bills? I'm reading this book on uh, uh, Billy the Kid. I think it'd be cool to have one of them old $1,000 bills. But because um, who was on it? Jefferson Davis. Jefferson Davis was on a $1,000 bill. But all, and you can find an antique dealer, and they might buy them from you, but the bills wouldn't be worth nearly their original value because the Confederate government no longer exists. Man, you might find some guys that in uh, Canton, Texas that would pay big money for it. But you see what I'm saying? It's not worth what it used to be. I want you to think about it in the same text of what we just read here. The same is true of the sacrificial system. At one time, it had some weight because it represented the blood of the coming sacrificial lamb of God. But once the new government, the New Testament, the new covenant took effect... The sacrifices of the old covenant became just like that confederate money. As worthless as any sacrifice you're presently making to try to earn God's blessing or to get him to listen to you. God has pleasure in only one sacrifice. Let's say that again. God has pleasure only in one sacrifice. And once you see this, once it really sinks into your heart, you are free because you are in a position to receive blessing from the Father based solely upon His provision for your life. Now we go on in verse 9. It says, Then He said, Look, I have come to do your will. He cancels. He cancels. Aren't you thankful for this? He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second one into into effect. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. See, the first sacrificial system is gone and it's replaced by a new covenant. 
Verse 11. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. See, sometimes if you feel like you're in a rut doing the same things every day to try to impress God, you're under the old system. Do I need to keep going? You're just like the priests of old. Your work will never be done. How I many of y'all know we're not saved by works, but we're saved by grace? Through faith. Through what? Through what? That's what we're talking about tonight. Aren't you thankful for faith? Verse 12, but our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins. Good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. I love this. Because when I read this, but our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins. Good for all time. Then he sat down. Everybody say sat down. He sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. Jesus isn't standing or pacing, running or fretting. He's totally at rest concerning you and me. Mm. There he waits. Until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet, which still goes for us. For by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. Look at your neighbor and say, that's you. Tell yourself, that's me. He has perfected you forever because the work of salvation is complete. Yeah. Now, verse 15, and the Holy Spirit also testifies that this is so, for he says, this is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I'll put my laws in their heart, hearts, and I will write them on their minds. Then he says, I will never again remember their sin and lawless deeds. That's a good place to shout. How many of y'all thankful that he will never again Remember their sins and lawless deeds. You can't say that about your ex, but you can say that about your Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? And when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death. By his death, Jesus opened a new life, giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. Y'all remember what happened in the New Testament here? The veil, I always say it, uh, uh, old King James, it was rent in twine. I mean, y'all know it was ripped in half. And now because of that, we can come into the Holy of Holies. In the Holy of Holies stood the Ark of the Covenant, and in the Ark of the Covenant are ten commandments that we've broken. Aaron's rod that budded as a sign to a people who whined under God's leadership, and in it also is a pot of manna given to a people who grumbled about God's provision. 
So in other words, the ark held reminders of failures. But guess what? Covering the ark, hiding the broken commandments, the rod of rebellion, the manna of unthankfulness was what? It was a mercy seat. No wonder Jesus said in Matthew 9, 13, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifices. The one course of education prescribed by Jesus is mercy because it is at the mercy seat that God meets us. How many of y'all know we have a high priest interceding for us, not with words on his lip, but through the wounds of his flesh? So now we come to this place in verse 22, and I believe it's our response. If you hadn't caught on to what I'm talking about here, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. Every year after year, one time of the year, for all the things that were going on in, in the people of Israel, they would send in this high priest, and he had 12 stones on his chest. It was a turban he, uh, on his head. He, uh, everything had symbolism, even down to the robe that he wore that came down and bells at the bottom with pomegranates. And when he would go into the Holy of Holies, if he had anything that was unclean on him, it would kill him. Because how many of y'all know God meant business in his presence? There was anything unclean, and so they would have those bells would be hitting the pomegranates, and if it ever stopped, they had a rope tied around his foot. They could not go in there, or they would die as well, because God takes holiness for real. How I many of y'all know God calls us to be holy? And there is nothing that we could do to be even more holy, but he knew that he could send his son who was to pay the price for you and I. And so this is something that they would have to do every year. And what this basically is saying, that you don't need a high priest anymore. You don't need somebody to go into that temple. He's basically saying this, wherever you are and whatever you're doing, you can take that moment and you can get in the presence of God. Because the high priest has already laid it down for you and I. That's why we can come boldly into the throne room of grace. So as we come into verses 22 through 25, I've just wrote down some very practical things tonight. Now I'll probably begin to preach. I've taught a little bit here. But I remember before we would go into a place, I remember my dad looking in that back seat with me and my brothers, and he said, now how in the world are you going to act? How many of y'all have those parents? How are you going to act tonight? Now he would say it in a tone, and he would have this eye, this look on his face, like if you don't act right, the rod of correction will take it away from you. How many of y'all know, aren't you thankful for good moms and dads that whipped you growing up? So how are you going to act? I want you to think about it like this. What is going to be your response, or how are you going to act now that you know that he's given you access to the Heavenly Father? The first one that you write down tonight, I've got three different practical things that I want to share with you. Number one is this. We should get close. Look at your neighbor tonight and say, I should get close. Isn't this something that it's, verse 22, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts fully trusting Him. Let us go right into the presence of God. Can I tell you, no matter what you've done, you, uh, no, what the enemy wants to do is keep you out. What the enemy wants to do, you've already gone this far, you might as well just stay in that sin, you might as well just keep lying, you might as well just keep manipulating you might as well keep going down that. But I'm telling you, if you're at that place, you're in the right place tonight, being in the house of God on a Wednesday night. Because I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what you've gone through, no matter what you've said, no matter what you've done, 
God says you can come boldly into the throne room of grace. So let us go right into the presence of God. This is opposite of what we've read. This is opposite of what we just talked about because it needed to be someone else. And sometimes we live by that. Well, you can, or I'm going to send so-and-so, or my wife, she can worship the Lord for, for me tonight, or, or, or whatever. I'm just telling you, what if we, as a body of Christ, got close to God? With sincere hearts and not, sin, and not sincere motives. What, what if we just came to a place, uh, even if you're in trouble, God, I'm in trouble, I did it again. How many of y'all know you can go to him on your best day and you can go to him on your worst day? Can I tell you, don't wait. Get in the presence of God today, right now. No matter where you are. How many of y'all know you can cause your car to be a sanctuary? My trailer became one today. I was in there and I was just thinking about something and I, I, I got this song. Hey, it's Wednesday night. I'm going to go off the cuff. I could put, but there is this song and I actually sent it to Yinli and Lucas and I said, I love this song. And she said, well, I'm not black. I said, well, you can sing it anyway. But it's in the room. It's by uh, Maverick City. I don't know if you've heard it, but this is, I, I want to get to the chorus here. Right here. He was in my trailer. He's there. How many of y'all know he's there? No matter what you go through, no matter where you are, how many of y'all know you shouldn't just, not just on Sundays, wait to get in the presence of God? How many of y'all know that's not enough? How many of y'all know it's not enough? How many of y'all know we should get close to God on Monday? We should get close to God on Tuesday. We should get close to God on Wednesday. You know why? Because it's our right, and it's the response that we ought to have because we see what Jesus did for you and I. It's the response that we should, we should take. We should be in his word. We need to get close to God, not, not out of obligation because it, uh, that's the wrong heart motive, but we ought to do it just because now we have access to. We don't need a high priest anymore. He is our high priest. Are you guys awake tonight? So our response need to be, we should get close. Here's the second thing. So he says, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Verse 23, let us hold tightly without wavering to hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. This is the second thing I wrote down. Don't let go. Look at your neighbor and say, don't let go. You know what we have today? We have a bunch of wishy-washy believers. You know what you need to do? You need, a you need to predetermine in your mind. When I was a youth pastor, I used to tell kids all the time, you need to predetermine now. When you get in the car with a girl, you've already predetermined in your mind. You are not going to have sex with that woman. All right? 
You are to predetermine. If you're at school and you're inside uh, the bathrooms, you've already predetermined, I'm not going to do drugs. If I'm at this place where there's alcohol, I've already predetermined in my heart that I am not going to do that. What I'm going to do is not let go. I'm going to hold on. See, here's the deal. If you don't live by principle, you will live by pressure. If you don't live by principle, you will live by pressure. God's called us not to be wishy-washy people. There is enough wishy-washy people in the world. How many of y'all know the people of God ought to be the ones who are responsible with what God has given us? How many of y'all know we ought to be the best? I was talking to Pastor Robert yesterday, and one of the things that I got to thinking about, can you imagine what this world will be like when the rapture takes place? Because in essence, we as 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 a body of believers, biblically, we're like capitalist people. Amen? Come on for the capitalists out there. We put our hand to the plow. We ought to be the ones who are the first time to work. If we have to stay late, we stay late. As believers, we are a reflection of Jesus Christ in everything that we do. We ought to not just be good. We ought to be excellent. Amen? We ought to, we, we, our approach ought to be excellent. The way we look ought to be excellent. Everything about us. And so think about this. When the rapture takes place, people driving down the road, whew, gone. I know you've seen all this stuff. But think about it. In seconds, America is going to be flipped upside down. People aren't going to go to work because most of the believers should be in the sky. Come on, by this time. We're going to have some pilots flying airplanes that are going to be, whew, we're going to pray for your dog. Your dog's going to be okay. All right? We'll take him up in the rapture. All right? But I want you to think about how chaotic this would be. I, I just uh, don't let go. How many of y'all know we, we have something to plan for? It's for the coming of Christ. And we, we, this is not a time, or this is not a time, there's not a time ever, but where we are in the, the prophetic clock, not the pathetic clock, but the prophetic clock of the world, how many of y'all now is not a time to be wishy-washy? You don't need to be on the fence and off the fence. You shouldn't have things that are distracting you. With you're with one, this one group of friends, uh, you act one way, but when you're in the house of God, you're another. You have one foot in the world, one foot in the kingdom of God. When I read this text and see what Jesus did for me as a high priest for my life, and I see here, let us hold tightly without wavering. Come on, we ought to be people that are not wavering, in and out of lines. Uh, does anybody have the NIV? What's that? Uh, nobody has the NIV? You guys are real Christians. Well, good for you. Uh, uh, without, I think it's without swerving. And I thought about this. There's so many people, they're in the lane, they're out of the lane. They're in the lane and out of the lane. How many of y'all know without wavering, I am moving on. I'm not staying where I am because I have a hope that's now affirmed for God can be trusted to keep his promise and what he did that then is still in effect for me today my faith and there's so many people that they get wishy-washy because they're believing God for something but you need to know this my faith is not anchored in the outcome you guys awake tonight my faith is not anchored in the outcome my faith is not also anchored in the journey my faith is in Jesus Christ. And how many of y'all know he was faithful then and is still faithful today? There's people uh, that, are, that are not serving God because of somebody was a bad example to them. Well, you don't serve man, you serve God. 
It always, it always breaks my heart when something happens with a pastor and all these people stop serving God. Well, I know right away that they were serving the wrong person. How many of y'all know men can be unfaithful? How many of y'all know systems can be unfaithful? Things can be unfaithful. But can I tell you who is faithful? Jesus Christ. Come on. How many of y'all know that tonight? So my faith, when people go through some, some struggles or maybe it's sickness in their body. But you need to have this. You need to have it predetermined in your mind. I'm not letting go. I don't care what they say. I'm not letting go. My faith is not anchored in the outcome. My faith is not anchored in the journey. He was faithful then, and he'll be faithful today. We read in chapter 11, he was faithful to Abraham. He was faithful to Isaac. He was faithful to Jacob. Come on, he was faithful to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. How many of y'all know he was faithful to Matthew and John? How many of y'all know he was faithful to Paul? And can I tell you, he's still faithful today. Are you guys awake tonight? He's still faithful today. Even when I'm unfaithful, he stays faithful. Aren't you thankful for this? Even when I'm unfaithful, he will stay faithful. So we should get close. Look at your neighbor again and say, I'm going to get close. I'm not going to let go. Come on, I'm going to hold on like a hair on a biscuit. Huh? Amen. Here's the third thing. So then it goes on. It says, wavering to hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Then verse 24. Let this convict your heart. Conviction. Always comes with an answer. Let us think of ways to motivate one another. To acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together. Especially on the day that the pastor takes up a giving division offering. Oh, I got off course there. And let us not neglect our meeting together. As some people do. But encourage one another. Look at this. I like this. Especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. You know, I think it's always good. I think it's New King James or NIV. I forget what translation I looked at. It says spurring on one another. I mean, y'all know we ought to like, come on, be spurring one another. Motivate one another to the act of love and good works. Can I tell you, I can't motivate everybody, but you can help me. We talked about it as pastors and elders this last weekend of, of times where I noticed that somebody has gone. Sometimes it's three weeks later, sometimes it's six weeks later, and sometimes it's way too late by the time I notice that. I'm not perfect in any way. But you know what? There's times where you realize that somebody's gone. You know what you ought to do? You ought to spur them on. Hey, get back in the presence of God. This is me spurring. How many of y'all thankful for some people that just spurred you? Like, don't give up. Don't give in. Don't be vain. Don't be whiny. Quit being a crybaby. Quit feeling sorry for yourself. Come on. Spur them on. Motivate them. Jesus is coming back. Stop doing drugs. Stop sleeping around. Get your act together. Come on, we ought to motivate one another. It's Christmas time. We ought to show the love of Jesus everywhere we are. 
Let's spur some people. Some of y'all are going to take this way too far. But how many of y'all know there, there is people in your circle? It's one thing to come on a Sunday night. If y'all weren't here last Sunday night in prayer, man, God really moved in here. And I really believe that just a prophetic voice of calling out names. But you know what? You can pray for those lost people all you want to, but what are you doing? What are some things that you're doing to motivate them? He says it right there, especially now that the day of the Lord. I mean, you look at what's going on in Israel and all the things that are happening. There is not much left on Matthew 24 for Jesus to come back. Like we're here. Some of them you just need to be bold and call and say, hey man, the Lord's just had you on my heart. Is your life right with God? Is it? We, we need to motivate one another. Let's motivate them. Think of ways to motivate one another. Buy them a cup of coffee. Think of ways. What, what are some ways, one another? I'll tell you one of the ways that you can do that. If you're trying to be an influence at people at work. The best way that you can share Jesus is the way you live your life. By a greatest example. Doesn't mean that you're going to mess up and say the big one from time to time. We have grace for you. Non-Christians won't, won't always have grace for you. But I'm just saying this. The best way you can do that is all those things that I talked about. You show up. You're ready to work. I'll do whatever you tell me to, boss. I go where you tell me to go. I'll smile. Come on. Every day. Do I need to read verses 1 through 17? I ain't got nothing to smile about. Do I need to read it again? How many of y'all know he's our high priest for us? Come on, you just need to be reminded of this tonight. And you don't need to just read it. You need to have a response to it. How many of y'all know when your, your dad would, uh, would, those moments just like that, when he looked in the back seat and said, how are you going to act? And that even went down to attitude. Like, when we got out of the car, we should not even look like we just had that conversation. You better get a smile on your face. You better get your hair right. You better act in order like we never had this conversation. Yes, sir. Sometimes we would fake it. But how many of y'all know, sometimes that's faith. Sometimes you just got to fake it till it's right. I'm going to walk by faith and not by sight. I'm gonna, you know what? And I don't even know that you know, have to fake it when you see right here. Let us go right into the presence of God. Let us hold tightly without wavering. Let us think of ways to motivate others to acts of love and good works. Come on, let's motivate one another. I mean, y'all know here in the body of Christ, we ought to motivate one another. Amen? We ought to motivate one another like, oh my gosh. When, when, when somebody sees you, I want them to, to look at me and say, you know what? I, I want to serve his God, Christ in him, the hope of glory, especially now. Especially now. Especially now. Think about that. Like if you haven't done it up to this point, well, you need to start. Because especially now, he's coming back. Amen? You get something out of the word tonight? Are you thankful you came to the house of God?
I'm going to say it one more time. So, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, go ahead and stand to your feet. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Amen. God, we thank you for the opportunity to share your word tonight, to study your word. And I pray that this week, even as we go from here, I pray that tomorrow that we would remind ourselves of what you truly did on the cross for us. You paid the ultimate price. The price has been paid. The blood has been shed. So, God, may we claim the victory that's already been taking place. And so, Lord, I just pray that we would leave here with that. We are going to draw close. We're not going to let go, and we're going to spur on others to serve you as we serve you. God, I just pray that tonight that it would not fall on deaf ears. We would go where you've called us to go. We'd do what you've called us to do. And we would be who you've called us to be. God, we give you glory for tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you and give you peace. Well, we want to thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We pray that you heard from God and that this message was for you. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. It helps us reach more people with this message. Arena of Life takes pride in connecting to God, to church, and to people. And we want to connect with you. So don't forget to check us out on all social media platforms, to check out our website, arenaoflifechurch.org, and to download the Church Center app and to choose Arena of Life as your church. And a special thanks to those who make a difference by giving generously. You help us change lives and produce weekly content like this that reaches the world. If you're interested in partnering with us, you can give by clicking the link in our bio through the website arenaoflifechurch.org or through the Church Center app. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and we'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.